The Myths of Selling to the Government If you're using traditional sales techniques to sell to government, you're doing it wrong. The podcast is brought to you by Government Selling Solutions. Government Selling Solutions, selling and marketing to the government for years, quite successfully, thank you. Now, here's Rick. I just didn't understand it. In this story, we were a small niche communications technology company, less than $25 million in sales at the time. I was in charge of government sales. We sold to local, state, and federal clients to help with their critical communications. Most of our sales were made directly by our sales team to the client. But one day, the company hired a couple of fellows to develop partnerships. I didn't really get it. Rather than channel partners, I wanted more people on my sales team. I wasn't sure that an aggressive partnership strategy was good for us. We had built a nice market for ourselves from scratch. Along the way, we developed lots of good relationships directly with our customers. I didn't want us to give up those direct relationships. And I wasn't sure that a channel partner would understand our technology, which could be a little bit complex. It seemed like one more thing for me to deal with when my plate was already full. Our sales folks didn't like the idea. They were afraid the partners would infringe on their opportunities. One of these fellows they brought in, let's call him George, was a rainmaker type. He was pretty dang good at getting into companies, finding the right people, and getting them fired up. The companies George was bringing in were much larger than us, much larger. You would know their names. I could not imagine why these big companies would want to partner with our little company. Seemed like a wasted effort to me. The other fellow, Scott would be a good name for him, had the job of turning these partnerships into revenue. I figured I'd be spending a lot of my time either traveling with this guy or on the phone with him. I wasn't optimistic, so here's what happened. What I've told you is all true. I didn't even change the names. I was skeptical, and looking back, I was right to be skeptical. Besides the concerns I mentioned, what Scott and George were trying to do was counter to the company's culture. But, but, it worked. It took a while, but it worked. Revenue and other cool things started coming in. You see, these guys were hard workers, and they knew what they were doing. They were both relentless, and were both likable chaps. Slowly but surely, they began to win undevoted support from my team and me. Now let's go back to my concerns, one by one. I was concerned about our direct relationships with our customers. As it turned out, they got better. Not to mention the fact there were more of them. Our new channel partners already had relationships with these new customers and were more than happy for us to build our own relationships within these organizations. We were handling installations, training, and upper-tier technical support. Of course, the partners wanted us to have good relationships with the customers. In fact, they insisted. Remember, these partners were much larger companies with their own product lines. We were just a sweetener for them. They weren't going to directly produce a lot of revenue selling our stuff based on their volume, even if they produced a lot of revenue for us based on our volume. So what would be their motivation? 
You know, it's not really that difficult to sign up partners. But what good would they be if they have you in their portfolio and are not actively pushing your product? Some will want you in their portfolio just in case one of their clients might want your stuff one day. Yay. What good does that do you? Now, George and Scott found larger companies that were motivated by more than booking revenue from our product. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better example than this one. A large communications company, one of many resulting from AT&T's incredibly complicated spinoffs. As I recall, George brought them in, and Scott took over management of the partnership and convinced the partner to make our tiny company part of all of their government roadshows. And they did a lot of them. We were featured attractions. We were something new for their customers. From these roadshows, we got leads. They got leads. Sales followed. Their markup for selling our product wasn't high, but they remained dogged in moving our technology. Because their markup was small, they called on our salespeople to support their opportunities. And because their markup was small, we were able to pay our salespeople a commission to support them. So much for that concern in mind. We maintained direct relationships and commissions, which kept my team and me happy. Through an awful lot of work, George and Scott had worked out deals that worked for the big companies and our small company. Still don't really get the large company's motivation. I didn't either. At first, I was just enjoying getting attention from the grown-up table. Here it is. Every time they sold one of our systems at a price point of around 150 k the client needed to enlarge their communications infrastructure. And what did this large partner do? They built communications infrastructures. So... Who sold them the infrastructure enlargement? Our partner, of course. At at least 10 times our price point. We won, they won, the customers won. It was a thing of beauty. As you can imagine, our company jumped all in on this partnership and others the two fellows developed. We all pitched in to support the partners, both in their sales and their first-tier support efforts. Heck, I paid for a daughter's wedding with a commission from one of the partner's sales. You betcha I was in. But here's the lesson. If you want a partnership to work, you've got to work the partnership. Don't think you're going to work hard on the front end and sit back and watch the money flow in. That's like hiring a salesperson after a tough search in negotiations, then not supporting and holding them accountable. Same thing applies with your partners. Now, let's see. What happened to George and Scott? George is still rainmaking, sits on several boards, and runs his own company. Scott became president of our company, which was then sold to one of those big partners, which was sold to an even larger company than again. When Scott's not on his tractor in Vermont, he's president CEO of another company. George Nichols and Scott Alfieri, their real names, are still both treasures to me. They taught me a lot. And for me, I teach people how to effectively use partnerships and do other things to build government sales. I'm host of this fine podcast and most appreciative of your listening. Got any cool stories to share regarding myths of selling to government? 
Go to the Government Selling Solutions website at govselling.com and let's set up a chat. Maybe I'll tell your story. Or heck, have you on as a guest. Let me know. Today's episode has been brought to you by Government Selling Solutions. Government Selling Solutions. Getting government sold.